Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. And we're live. Welcome to the Champions YouTube friends. Dropping your comments and questions in the chat. Make sure you hammer and like and subscribe button. Make sure you hammer it, please, as quickly as possible. As we finally welcome back the Europa League. And we cannot wait to get into the action between Barcelona. And yes, that's right. Michael LaHood's Manchester United. In the house today, as I mentioned already before, we have LaHood. There he is with that smile on his face. Nigel Rio Coker and Jonathan Johnson all the way over from Paris. But Mike, I'm starting with you because mm. that game was an absolute thriller. Barcelona 2, Manchester United 2. One of the best games I have watched. Both of these clubs play for a very long time. End-to-end action. Pretty much had it all. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very relieved, very good, especially how the game ended. Very relieved, but proud of Manchester United. Nigel, I know you're going to try and hammer me. We'll get to that much later. But in terms of what I saw during this match, I want to applaud Manchester United for the way they came after Barcelona. They pressed them high up the field. And you said it yesterday, Ian. Teams that have gone to the Camp Nou, a place that is no longer a fortress for Barcelona in European competition. Bayern exploited it. Inter Milan exploited it. That's why they're in the Europa League. And I thought United exploited it. The building blocks were there from the last match they played against Leeds United, where Marcus Rashford playing in a central role. Every time Ten Hag has done that in the last few games, it's yielded gold. And that co- that combination between he and Veghorst, Veghorst, who would have thunk it at the World Cup, a striker coming off the bench, playing on loan in the Turkish Championship or Turkish First Division. Now he's playing as an attacking midfielder. For Manchester United, that's crazy to me. The work rate he's doing in midfield for them, that has to be applauded. Just the, the entirety of the performance. I know it didn't get the three points and the win, but you know, first-class performance all around, I think. First of all, I have to say I enjoyed the game. Uh, you know, really, really, really entertaining, especially in the second half. Secondly, there's a reason why both of these teams are playing in the Europa League these days and not the Champions League. Uh, I think there were some really, really basic defensive mistakes that you wouldn't really expect from teams playing in the Champions League. And that contributed to the goals that we got in the second half. I also wonder, you know, Penny, for the thoughts of the United fans 
who made the trip to Camp Nou, who were there in 99 when mm. United won the Champions League. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, it, uh, you can see that United are a work in progress, Barcelona too, um, you know, and it's encouraging to think that we might have both of them back in the Champions League very, very soon. But also at the same time, there were some moments where you're like, you know, it, it's kind of it very, it's very reflective of the way that modern football is at the moment. You've got both Barca, Manchester United, two of the easiest uh, clubs to identify in the European game, duking it out on a Thursday night in the Europa League. It, it felt quite kind of surreal watching it play out, especially in, in the way that it did as well, because it was a match at the end of the day that produced entertainment worthy of the Champions League. JJ and Michael make great points. It really is. I don't think there's much else you could say about that game. Um, I think when I look at that game, again, I haven't really learned that much anything new from the sense of Barcelona, from what we've seen. Because it's what we said that Barcelona were in the Champions League. They play some absolutely sensational stuff, fantastic to watch at times. But they're lacking that real killer instincts, that that punch. I know people are going to say what you're talking about. They've got Lewandowski, but it's still lacking more than that. They still need more than that. Mm. You know, for the beautiful football they play, the positions that they get in, you'd expect more goals from this Barcelona side. Like you said, you'd expect teams to be scared or intimidated to go up against them, but they're not. And that's what we're seeing. And I think for me, for Manchester United, I'll say, Ian, uh, Michael and JJ, I think Manchester United have really developed a lot further than I expected than, 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 than what people would really believe in the sense of that performance there. Because I think a lot of people would have expected Manchester United to go there today and lose two or three nil. Seen progression in the Premier League, but this is obviously European competition. And I think for me, the progress that Eric Ten Hag has made at Manchester United really deserves credit because yeah. you wouldn't say they're that far off. And I think if they back this manager the right way and let him get his signings in and the players that he wants, this is this Manchester United would be very up high up there soon to be competing. And just to go to Mike's point on the what 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 was his name? I can't even get it out now. <laughs> one horse. <laughs> Weghorst, sorry, Weghorst. He got brought into Manchester United not to score goals, but because of his work rate. Anyone with any common sense can see that. Eric Ten Hag likes a team that presses from the front. He is the striker that's come in and been that difference maker in how much he runs. If you watch him in a game, he doesn't stop running. He does not stop running and the energy he brings, not just working defenders, to make it difficult and not be easy to play against, but also having the footballing ability to play in centre midfield and go back just goes to the Dutch ability. It's Dutch football. That's what they're taught. Technical ability. That's what he brought in. And he has been a big difference maker in that Manchester United side because of his work rate. But also for certain players, Nigel, which player is benefiting the most because of Veghorst being there? Which player do you think is benefiting the most because of him there? I'll probably say Rashford. (laughs) It's got to be Rashford, right? Yes, because when you have a big man like that, as Mike pointed yeah. out there, he looks like he's playing an attacking midfield player. He drags defenders all over the place and it allows Rashford to sprint in behind. I mean, mm-hmm. Rashford realistically had maybe five or six good opportunities to go 1v1 if had a better pass that had been played yeah. into him, an earlier pass was played into him, or had he kept himself onside a couple of times. I mean, it's, it's really amazing to see that Veghorst is not necessarily, and I've watched Veghorst for the majority of his career in the Bundesliga in particular, um, he is a goal scorer. He can score goals, no doubt about it, but there's more to his games, the attributes of the size, the strength, the power, and as Nigel rightfully pointed out, this guy 
works his socks off. And Ten Hag knows exactly what he's doing by bringing him to the football club. A surprise for so many. It was maybe a surprise for me. And this is working out better for Manchester United than I could have expected to have seen that type of performance. Here's a few stats from the game as well. Marcus Rashford has now scored 22 goals across all competitions this season, equaling the best single-season tally in his senior club career. Marcus Alonso, who scored, obviously, the opening goal for Barcelona, scored in each of his last two Champions League and Europa League games, as many as he had in his previous 46 games in those competitions. And Rashford now scoring in his fourth consecutive game in a row. Um, CBS Sports Galazzo show pointed out that it was 14 Mm. goals and 16 appearances since the World Cup, which to me is insane numbers right there. Um, But talking points right here, Mike, we got to talk about Rashford and the form that he's in right now. I mean, this is just fabulous from Rashford. What he's doing is he's excelling his game to another level since the World Cup. Yeah, I I think he's figuring out how to get the best out of his teammates and really putting the game on his terms. His pace has been something that's been talked about. When he burst on the scene, he used his pace to devastating effect. And then I think he got caught up in wanting the ball to feet, wanting to do a couple step overs, wanting to do too much in the final third, lost his way a bit, lost confidence in front of goal. And I think the Euros had a lot to do with that. But man, oh man, Eric Ten Hag, he is the Rasford worshiper. What he's done with him at the start of the season, getting him on the left-hand side, giving him the option of cutting in on his right boot to go to goal. And now the, the next dimension of as soon as it gets to Casemiro, who we have to give plaudits to as well, being back in the team, we see the impact of that. I mean, he, Fred, Fred even looked like freaking Xavi at times. I, I had to do, I had to put some, my glasses on. I couldn't believe it with some of the ways he was passing. Fred got the golden touch on the assist. Mind you, golf clap for the Brazilian on that. But I think that Ten Hag is so instrumental in Marcus Rashford's rise again to the top of his game because he's adding that element of running off the ball. As soon as Bruno Fernandes got the ball, as soon as Casemiro got the ball, it's automatic. There's no second guessing it. And credit to him on some of the chances he created. I thought the goal that he scored, I thought he too many touches, maybe the long touch, but just the the ingenuity, the power. Maybe we could say Ter Stegen could have done better on it, but I think he hit it just a flash shot at the near post to get the goal. Yeah, I mean, it's really good to hear, uh, you know, such praise for Rashford again after he went through a very difficult period. Obviously, has come back into form this season, but, you know, I don't think anyone expected him to hit the ground running post-World Cup in the way that he has. You know, we've been talking about so many different players who have really struggled since the World Cup, but Rashford is, you know, he's absolutely thriving. And it's great to see because this is this reminds me of the Rashford that I saw at Parc des Princes a couple of years ago where you really thought, you know, this kid is going to be, you know, one of the top strikers in Europe. Then he went off the ball and you wondered if, you know, you perhaps, uh, you, you know, you were missing something in a judgment. Uh, you know, but it's great to see him back in this kind of form. Now, actually, I wanted to take it back to the point uh, that Nigel and Ian were making earlier about Veghorst. And this will probably, you know, hit home with uh, Nigel uh, a little bit because watching Veghorst reminds me a little bit of when Villa bought Emil Heskey. Now, I didn't really understand, like, why we were going for Heskey at the time until I saw him live in a game. And you see how much work he does and sort of how much that frees up his teammates uh, you know, how he brings other players into the game. And suddenly you have that immediate understanding of why managers want that kind of player in their team, not just because of the goals that they can score. And don't get me wrong, I knew that Heskey was always capable of hitting the back of the net. I just, 
I didn't quite understand sort of what his work rate was about until I was actually able to keep my eyes on him on the pitch in front of me and see exactly what he was doing over the course of 90 minutes. And I'll, I'll be honest, it was the same for Thiago Motta as well when he joined PSG. I always thought he was this, you know, tough tackling shithouse kind of guy who would just get, you know, in people's faces with a bit of aggro, not at all sort of the the, the technical metronome that he became for, for PSG. And I think, you know, that there is... You know, sometimes when you watch a game on TV, there's there's more to meet the, than meets the eye to some of these players. So when you're looking at a player and they might not have some value when you're watching them just through the TV, if you see them out on the pitch, they're actually doing a completely different job. And it's In something this you can't well, always James. get an appreciation for. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, JJ, that's that's some great points. And I, I was fortunate to play with Emil Heskey. So I saw it firsthand as a player, as a midfielder, what he brings to a team. And how influential he can be in the confidence when you've got a player like that, knowing he's going to start the game, you know what you're going to get. And it just breeds so much confidence throughout the team. I think for me, with going back to the Rashford situation, throughout your career, and I'm sure Ian probably would, 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 would agree with this as well, and Michael, um, there's always a manager that you come with or come across that will make you feel that you're on cloud nine. That is what we're seeing with Eric Ten Hag and Marcus Rashford. It's that manager there. It's this one manager that has made him feel on cloud nine, made him feel invincible, made him feel like he is the best player in the world. And that's what you're getting. And this mm-hmm. is something that people don't realise. It happens a lot where it's all about that personal touch with that manager. When that manager believes in you, feeds you that confidence and that belief and also backs you in the press, you go out there and you're going to reward him by scoring goals. That is what mm-hmm. Marcus Rashford is doing. A lot of these performance, well, everything we're seeing from Marcus Rashford now, now, a lot of credit has to come from Eric Ten Hag. And Eric Ten Hag says it, I haven't done nothing. I'm not a magician. But what he doesn't realise is whatever he's doing at the training ground, the personal connection that he's built with Marcus Rashford is the reason why he's playing like this. I had it with one manager when I had Gerard Houllier. He made me feel on top of cloud nine. And I know my footballing level went from one level to another just under him because of certain small things that he would say that Mm -hmm. really woke and and, and kind of woke me up as a player. And just a quick example, it's we'll be doing a training session and you'll be concentrating on training as a player. And at the end of the session, Gerard Hulu will walk next to me and go, you didn't give the ball away once today. And I wouldn't be thinking about that. But the fact Mm -hmm. of the managers watching and paying attention to who gives the ball away and says that, it just makes you feel that special and, you, and it just gives you that confidence. And I think that's what we're seeing from Marcus Rashford. And before I give it to Ian, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give this one to Mike. JJ and Ian, <laughs> if you're Marcus Rashford right now of the current situation, what do you do? Do you sign a new deal and stay at Manchester United or do you leave while you're on top? JJ? Uh, honestly, I think... It makes sense for him to to stay on at Old Trafford. Um, if Ten Hag wasn't in charge, I wouldn't be saying the same thing. But I think it feels like there's about to be a new dawn at Old Trafford. Uh, and I think that Rashford would love to to be part of that. And I think, you know, he could thrive in that as well, as long as United continue to back Ten Hag, as you said earlier. Uh, you know, I think he's really onto something. The chances of United being back sort of in the Champions League and being a really established presence there in the next couple of years are quite strong based on what we've seen so far. Uh, And I think that it's probably the best move for Rashford to continue with United for the moment. To be honest, 
I think that Rashford would be taking a risk if he moved somewhere. Let's face it, he's probably not going to move somewhere else in the Premier League, so he'd probably move to Europe. I think he'd be taking a risk. Uh, I, don't, don't get me wrong, I would love to see more more England internationals testing themselves, uh, you know, on the stage in different leagues. But just in this particular case, based on how things are going at the moment, it makes more sense to me that yeah, Stop shitting bricks. Stop shitting bricks, JJ, and just say, oh, I'd love to see him go on the board. <laughs> yes. You know you want to say Paris Saint-Germain, so stop shitting it. Well, no, but I, know that he, I, know that he, I know that he's been linked with PSG. Do I realistically <laughs> think that PSG will make a play for him? I don't. I think PSG, to be honest, based on their, their shortcomings, they'd, they'd be more likely to try and go all out for somebody like a Bellingham, even though they'd be way mm-hmm. behind a number of teams in the queue. Just a question for you, JJ, real quickly before you do switch that microphone back off there. Could Paris Saint-Germain potentially get Rashford now? Because there was a point maybe a month or two ago or whenever before this form for the World Cup was that PSG were heavily linked with him. But now, would PSG actually be a destination he'd like to go to, especially with the way that Manchester United are playing and Ten Hag doing the business he is right now? I'm not sure he'd want to go there. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends. It depends if PSG get fed up with Neymar playing in poker tournaments, visiting McDonald's <laughs> at midnight after Champions League defeats, whether they kick him out, whether they don't extend Messi's contract. I mean, a player like Rashford, of course, would be of interest to PSG, at least to explore the possibility. But, you know, there's a lot of other things to factor into it. Uh, you know, obviously, sure. Rashford would, you know, command pretty hefty salary not necessarily on the same level as a, a Neymar or a Messi, but still, uh, you know, sort of substantial money when PSG do have to think <laughs> of potential wage cuts coming into the summer. Uh, but also I think there's the sort of cultural elements as well. Uh, like yeah. I said, don't get me wrong. I would love to see more English players I going agree. abroad, testing themselves and not just necessarily going to the Bundesliga, uh, you know, going to other leagues as well and, you know, learning a different I don't style agree. of play. I don't agree. but for for me i think that it might be a bit tough the the cultural adaptation for rashford in paris unless uh you know psg were to go with a couple of english talents (laughs) or english speaking talents there's there's never been as few english speaking players in that psg squad as there are Mm. right now i disagree with you i think for me that the younger generation of English players are a lot more open to going abroad. And again, not just the Bundesliga. I think if the right opportunity came, a yes. lot, uh, this young generation is willing to go there. Well, we only have to we only have to look at what's players. happening in Italy, Nigel, with Tammy yeah. going Adama, over yeah. and doing Adama, so Adama. well. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple players playing in Italy now. Um, and also, you have to think of the limited opportunities for a lot of these youngsters trying to get into these super clubs now in the Premier League. It's very, very difficult. So I think there's an element of um, learning you have to get from going to a foreign country, learning a foreign language, learning a different culture, and also uh, the development. It will help you not only as a human being, but as a player as well, because you're learning and play the game in different places. We're going to go to break in just a quick second, but an update here. Juventus have scored 13 minutes in here. Lavic scored, assisted by Chiesa. And in the other game, the other cracking game, actually, it's Leverkusen nil, Monaco won. It's mm. given as a Hradetsky own goal, but it looked like Brill Mbolo was the one who was actually putting goalkeeper under pressure. And then he decided to slice it into the back of his own net. little smirk right there from JJ. <laughs> Monaco in fine form right now. A little tip from the Joy Boy there, thinking that Monaco would get that result. But watch out. You never know what Javi Alonso's got up his sleeve. We're going to take a quick break, but when we do come back, we'll have a quick word about Barcelona and how this game will impact them as they go to Old Trafford to try to get the job done in the second leg house of champions will be right back did you know that while over 60 percent of americans dream of starting their own business less than 20 percent of them take the first step the reason 
Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're well, on to miss a second from the greatest cup competition on earth, the Champions League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Lionel Messi, Karim Benzema, Victor Osimhen, and Erling Haaland as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the game. Stream every match from the Champions League live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month for free with the promo code advance. Uh, just a quick update with the other results that took place in the earlier kickoffs of the, the Europa League action. Ajax nil, Union Berlin nil, Union Berlin with a disallowed goal in that game. Salzburg with a late goal, thank to Nicolas Capaldo beating Roma by a goal to nil. Shakhtar get the victory over Ren, Khrushchev and Bondarenko with the goals mm. in the first half and Karol Toko Ikambi made it 2-1 in the second half. Both of, both of those, actually all three of those games are set up nicely for a second leg performance and potentially a comeback. So let's talk about the second legs real quickly here. JJ, I'll come to you first on this one because um, Barcelona obviously now with Pedri forced off with the injury, real disappointment for them. You've got to think about Gavi with the, the yellow card suspension. Hmm. Um, this is going to be a bit of a mountain to climb here for Barcelona or is it at Old Trafford? I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, you know, I think in many ways it could be quite a tough game, uh, especially when you bear in mind sort of what's going on at United away from the pitch. You know, there's a lot of speculation about the the takeover. You know, there's this kind of feel-good, you know, vibe going on uh, around United at the moment, feeling like a new dawn is about to, to begin. Uh, you know, and I think as long as that, you know, the fans and the club as a whole are, you know, feeling very positive... I think it's difficult to see Barca, um, you know, getting the win at Old Trafford for for me. I, obviously, they're capable of doing so with the the quality players that they have, but I just feel like Ten Hag, uh, you know, his ideas are, are taking form more and more with every passing game. And you know, I think in a couple of weeks' time, United, especially sort of with that, uh, you know, w- with that advantage now, uh, you know, having come away and not being beaten in the first leg. This, for me, feels like it's now, you know, perhaps favoring uh, United coming into the second leg. So as we look at Barcelona going into the second leg, no Busquets, no Dembele, no Pedri. 
Someone has to step up. Ansu Fati could be that player. He came on. I thought impact when he came on. I mean, he almost scored a goal. Thank goodness for David De Gea coming up with a massive save that would have made it 3-2 Barcelona late in the game. I think Xavi will look to keep him on the field to have him be that X factor for Barcelona. I was I was questioning that move when he brought on Ferran Torres and took off Rafinha towards the end of the game because I thought Rafinha was their most dangerous player. He got he was not happy, goal. Mike, was he? No, I'd be pissed if I was him. And sure, and yep. he was right to not be happy because he had just gotten the goal and Barcelona had the momentum. Yep. Questionable call from Xavi as United fan. I was relieved to see the back of Rafinha's jersey. I think that if United can contain that front three of Barcelona, when you don't have Pedri, when you don't have Gavi, that Barcelona midfield is a bit stale. Frankie de Jong will have to play out of his mind. I thought United and Ten Hag came up with a masterful plan. I've never seen Frankie de Jong turn the ball over so much, and that's down to the pressing of a Fred. He shackled him well. Casemiro shackled him well. Every chance they got, they get after de Jong, and Frank Kessie didn't look to be up to the standard of what this game needed. I think Barcelona are in trouble. I want to give golf clap to... Michael's misses for making those notes for him because that was absolutely sensational notes made by Michael's misses. And also better, better than yesterday. Way better uh, yesterday. And go. also I love Michael's enthusiasm for Manchester United today because this is the same Michael Manchester United fan who wanted the League Cup and didn't think Man United are gonna win the European Cup. But it's okay, Michael. I love how you change. It's just a commercial Man United fan is fine. Listen, oh, man. <laughs> I don't think there's much to add to that when it comes to the tactical analysis. I'm just going to give a different direction of it. I'm just going to add to what JJ said. It's a feel-good factor, Manchester United, going back to Old Trafford with those fans facing a Barcelona team, knowing what's at stake, the atmosphere at Old Trafford is going to be electric. It's a new generation of Manchester United. It's a new manager. It's a, it's a new dawn, as uh, JJ says. That's going to be the difference maker for me. Because I think when you look at the teams, you look at the football we saw today, it's Manchester United fans that are going to play their part and making Old Trafford a real intimidating electric atmosphere to give yep. their home side the advantage. And I will say this though, Nigel, the, the way that Manchester United are playing right now, it's getting the fans very excited. You know, yes. first half, second half. Fans are excited again as United fans. Mike included in that as well. With that type of performance <laughs> tonight, <laughs> it was an electric performance for yeah, me. And I kind of like the fact that they could have lost that game as well because they were going for it. And that's the way Ten Hag wants to play. He wants to play life on the edge. We're going to try and score more goals than you. We're going to try and win games. We need to defend better, clearly. There's a lot for Ten Hag to have learned from that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you can also say that Xavi will have learned a lot from that game. As Mike pointed out as well, I would never have taken Rafinha out. And he was mm. absolutely furious. Uh, Nigel, real quickly, with that reaction right there uh, from Rafinha, I mean, he was like the little handshake he gave to Xavi, but he was still barking at him, going off the pitch and barking at him on the bench. Is that okay? Would you accept that as being a manager or a coach on the sidelines? Would you be okay with that? If you were if the I was a manager, the no. side? I wouldn't, be you wouldn't accept that. I, I, if I was a manager, I would not be happy because I feel like as a manager, when you go into a club, you put out everything you want the players to know. You want to know what's acceptable, what's not. you got to be honest with them from the start. Right. I might make decisions that might you not be happy with. Keep it in-house. If you ever do it in public like that, you will suffer the, the, the consequences. And I think that's what you got to <laughs> Have do. Have you sadly. ever done it in public, Nigel? 
Have you ever done? I've never done it. I've, listen, I've thought a lot. Of my, I've thought a lot of my managers I played for assholes, and they've done some stuff that was questionable. And I've never done it in public. Kept <laughs> <laughs> it moving and went back in the dressing room. I've never oh, done it in brilliant. public. <laughs> I've done it one time. I've done it one time. I did it. I did it one time in Major League Soccer, and yeah. um, I will say this: uh, you know, just supporting this story. Um, I was going through a bit of a mental uh, state at the time. I wasn't mentally secure, and I made the mistake of having a bark on the sidelines. I was a sub wanting to get into the game, and the gaffer asked, "Are you ready to go in?" And I said, "Ah, if yourself, whatever it was." <laughs> and it was a nightmare oh my word he came after me oh, um, but boy. at the end of the day you live and you learn sometimes you think you're maybe yeah. bigger than the situation but at the end of the day the gaffer is the man and i there's certain gaffers i simply would never have done that to and i guarantee you i would never have done that to xavi as well uh, real quickly while we touch upon the barcelona situation there was obviously breaking news we pointed out yesterday with um dodgy payments jj i'll come to you on this one real quickly because mm. you're across pretty much every story in the game um but Tebas come out today, um, obviously La Liga's main man, uh, and he said Barcelona's referee in scandal. There will be no sports sanction. It has prescribed after another thing is infield of criminal jurisdiction. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I went back and I read and I read and I read about this story. Uh, Some of the comments that are coming out of this story are absolutely unbelievable. And um, talking about there being um, no sanctions expired since three years and this going on <laughs> since uh, 2018 to 2023. I mean, it's it's a crazy situation right now and the stories continue to go on. So um, what's your overall thought on this and, and Tebas actually coming out and sharing these comments? My overall thought, how convenient that it's sort of outside of their jurisdiction <laughs> yeah. and within the timeline. I mean, to be honest, it, feel, it feels like, uh, you know, this has opened a real can of worms because if you sort of dig back through the, the comments that have been made since the beginning of these revelations last week, there's actually allegations that this, this goes back to like the early 2000s, uh, you know, like former presidents as well. We're not just talking about Bartomeu uh, and Laporta. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, Gaspar before them as well. So, you know, to me, this, yeah, th this is one of those things where I think Tebas is trying to draw a line in the sand before it, you know, really gets out of hand. Because, yes, while legally there might not be any sort of recourse for this, given, you know, sort of how far in the past it is. But equally, at the same time, that's not going to stop people digging and uncovering things, probably uncovering things that people are going to be absolutely outraged about that have been going on for sort of decades. So, yeah, I wouldn't expect this to be the last that we've heard of it, but it doesn't surprise me that Tebas is already, already trying to get ahead of this and basically warn that there's going to be no action taken so that people don't get sort of too excited about it. Watch this space. Who knows how this story is going to end? I feel like there's a documentary coming out. Maybe <laughs> CBS Sports will put a documentary about this whole story. Great stuff. Well said, JJ. Uh, Mike, I want to point out to you that there was some yeah. Europa League conference games going on today. Um, there was a big win for Fiorentina and Braga, which really surprised me. Carabag got the 1-0 victory over Hint. Uh, Trabs on Spore with the 1-0 victory over Basel and Bodo Glimp 0-0 against Lech Poznan. But Trabs on Spore against Basel. This is where I want to go here. Mm. Um, obviously, this is the first uh, professional game back since this earthquake devastated Turkey and Syria. Fans from other Turkish teams were invited um, to, to make a tribute to the victims. And I will say this, um, if you watch the goal and the celebration, which was very yeah. calm and very mute, it was an emotional time. Kissing the Turkish flag and yeah. an emotional time for a lot of people there. I have a lot of respect for these players. The character it takes after a devastating event, tragic event like that, where lives were lost, colleagues that you play in, people that you know closely in the country of Turkey, they're no longer there. And to, to 
just to play a match, but to get a massive emotional result like this, golf clap, massive. I wish I could just big clap for those players because that prayers. is easy to do. That's so difficult to do, but that that's down to the character yeah. and, and just the heart and the passion for the game. This was much more than about football today. This was for the entire country, the entire crisis that just happened, and it shows what can happen when the entire country gets together behind the beautiful game. Yeah, and I think as well, uh, you know, it just sort of rams home, uh, you know, you know that the people are still sort of in the same state that they were just in the immediate aftermath of the earthquake. You know, it's been absolute chaos um, in Turkey since it hit. Uh, communication uh, has really been impacted. Uh, you know, reflected very well, sort of in terms of the the football uh, world, uh, in the fact that. You know, many people heard that Christian Atsu had been sort of recovered, taken to hospital, and then it turns mm -hmm. out actually he he wasn't found, and his agent I think is now in Turkey, um, and they are still uh, you know trying to locate him, trying to find him. But uh, you know, it's just one of a, a number of uh, you know unfortunately very bleak stories linked uh, with the earthquake. So it is very touching when you see people pulling together like this, uh, you know, really trying to channel as much positive uh, energy and. Uh, you know, making people aware, uh, you know, that this situation is still going on. And it's similar as well. Uh, you know, every time Shakhtar Donetsk take the pitch with the situation in uh, Ukraine uh, and the, the Russian war on them. So it's, yeah, I, you know, I think it's important when you have these kind of games, uh, you know, that people take a step back and, and remember exactly what this is all about and why, uh, you know, these clubs are, are taking such a stand. I think for me, it's just one of those moments where, you know, it just gives you a reality check of uh, life, how important life is. And this is a moment that's bigger than football. And, you know, it's a difficult moment. There's so much to take in and what's going on. But it's one of those moments that this is bigger than football and just uh, just got to just try and be supportive to each other and especially uh, the football fans. Yeah, well said. And I think also we admire the fact that these professional players went out there and yeah. played. And it also yeah. shows you how football can bring people together in difficult situations and, and, and the value and the worth of football. And it's it's not just sports and it's not just entertainment. For many people, it's their livelihoods and it can also comfort you through difficult times. So um, massive applause and, and all of our thoughts and prayers go out to all of those affected in Turkey and Syria um, throughout this devastation. Um, we are going to get out of here. Thanks to everybody who jumped in the comments, including Amy, who was the first one in here from the United States of America, who doesn't like a tie, apparently. Shout out to you, Amy. Thanks to BX Gunner. Thanks to Matt Osmond. Um, thank you to Vic. Thank you to Rafa. Thank you to Judge Mo, who's jumping in there. I'll check my email address. Thank you for sending me one. Great question as well. Apologize I didn't get to it about Rashford and the impact of Ronaldo leaving. I do like that one. And Maddie as well. Big shout out to you. So many people jumping in the chats there. Apologies we didn't get to it. We had a lot to go through today in a 30-minute show, um, but we appreciate you jumping on. We will be back uh, tomorrow. Looking forward to it, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the Europa games, the Europa Conference games. I know Nigel's loving the conference right now. I can see <laughs> <laughs> His eyes. He's off to watch the Golazzo show so he can enjoy all the goals and the whip around coverage. Uh, big shout out to everybody out who's listening on the podcast platform. Please make sure you take a, a minute to leave us a, a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. We're off to watch the rest of the games. Hope everybody out there is too. Enjoy them all. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.